Alright, what is up guys, and welcome back to Noah's Sports Show for another episode here today, where we will once again be discussing several topics that have been concluded within the NBA and NFL primarily is, I believe that's all the topics, yeah. And we have one NCAA football topic to go over, so let's begin it with the fact that Dan Quinn was fired from the Atlanta Falcons yesterday morning. The Falcons began the season 0-5. They haven't looked good. They still have a good quarterback. They have nice receivers. They have good overall options. There's really no excuse to begin the season 0-5, and they decided to fire him because of it. So the questions I'm deciding to ask is, will the Falcons improve without him? Or deprove or stay similar. I think they will deprove without him because they will enter a recession years of football for the next four to five years. They will not be a good team. Uh, there's people saying he they're in the market for Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and all them. I don't know if they should pull on them, but I think it's time to pull away from Matt Ryan, which I previ- previously discussed in the last podcast about Dak Prescott being injured, and I said that pretty much the Falcons should look to ship off Matt Ryan to the Cowboys. I don't think that'd be a terrible option for either side. It could work if the Cowboys throw some picks and a nice player, a young player, for that quarterback for now, at least for this year. I think he can do a lot on the Cowboys team with the Cowboys offense and the Cowboys defense is honestly better than the Falcons. Next, we move into should the Falcons rebuild. I think I kind of just discussed that without really discussing it. Yes, they should rebuild for the next three to four years or so, maybe five, and kind of get rid of everybody on this team. I mean, let's think about it. Julio Jones is his edge in the exit of his prime and all. Matt Ryan exited his prime already, and pretty much the team is on the downfall, no matter what, whether it be they stick with this team or not, the team is on the downfall. Now the question is, can Dan Quinn get another job? I think he can. I don't think he'd be a terrible coach for the New York Jets, considering Adam Gase should be fired any week now. I don't think it'd be a terrible choice to go ahead and bring in a dude like Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is a fire-up coach. He made it to the Super Bowl. You can argue he choked that, but you can also argue that Kyle Shanahan played a role in the choking of that with, as the offensive coordinator. There's a lot to discuss in terms of whether or not he's a successful coach. Now let's move into the next topic. Alright, walking into the finals here. It's a pretty idiotic one. Uh, it's something I've seen Bleach Report cover, ESPN cover, and CBS Sports cover though, so I decided why wouldn't I cover it for today's podcast and... It's a ton of recency bias, and just because he made the finals. The question is, is Duncan Robinson a better shooter than Clay Thompson? The key word here is, of course, shooter. Clay is a 41% career three-point shooter versus Duncan Robinson, who's a career 43% three-point shooter. I'm still taking Clay Thompson. Over Duncan Robinson, Klay Thompson's one of the arguable best three-point shooters of all time. Klay Thompson also has defense on his side. Klay Thompson also has rings. 
Clay Thompson also has more experience. Clay Thompson also has better statistics. Clay Thompson also has all-star appearances. Duncan Robinson does not have any of those things. Now you can argue, well, it's a shooter. I'm still taking Clay Thompson as a shooter over Duncan Robinson. I feel that's a pretty easy subject to discuss. I mean, if you feel any differently, then you have a ton of recency bias within you. To say that Duncan Robinson is a better shooter than one of the best shooters of all time is idiotic. It is stupid. And that'd be like putting Trey Young in Stephen Curry's place. Putting Dame in Stephen Curry's place. Sure, they're up there. They're one of the top-tier three-point shooters in the league. But they're not Steph Curry, right? If he doesn't make it to the finals, we're not discussing him in this manner. I've heard these talks in the playoffs majority. In the conference finals and finals was when you really started to hear these talks. Clay Thompson takes one year off due to injury, and we forget how dominant he can really be. He's a good defender, good shooter, good passer. He's an all-around player. Well, Duncan, we don't really know yet if he can improve. He's already 26. So we're going to move on to the next subject. My overall opinion is that Clay is a better shooter than Duncan Robinson. Now, this next subject is honestly one of the more intriguing ones entering the offseason because he's a swing free agent. We have where should Fred Van Vliet sign. Now, I have three individual choices to where I believe he should consider. First one is the Detroit Pistons. Second one is the New York Knicks. And the third one is the Toronto Raptors. Now, the Pistons and Knicks ones are pretty self-explanatory as it gives him a lot of self-control as a player. I think, personally, the Knicks would be the team that offers him the most money, followed by the Pistons and then the Raptors. But if you want to stay loyal, you want to have that culture, you need to go to Toronto. If you want to win, you need to go to Toronto. I doubt that Fred Van Vliet lives up to his contract, that he may get offered in a place like New York or Detroit. But if he does resign in Toronto with a team-friendly deal, I guarantee you that he will live up to expectations. And the Raptors will be a continuous contender throughout his whole tenure within the franchise. I don't see why he would leave, aside from the wanting to be a star. Lowry's on the downfall of his career at some point, assuming that be within the next two years. Van Vliet is going to be asked to come up a little bit more. He's going to be asked to shoot the ball a little bit more. He's going to be asked to be the starting point guard soon. He started at shooting guard this year. He was still starting. It just wasn't his point guard. And pretty soon he'll be asked to be a point guard again. When Lowry eventually begins his downfall. Now, Lowry has had to decrease statistics in recent years. But he still is very dominant as a point guard. Following that, let's talk about Detroit. Where, where, where exactly would he fit in? He'd probably start over Derrick Rose. Because Derrick Rose is utilized as more of a sixth man throughout this point in his career. Despite the great play. And overall, I think they would use Fred VanVleet a lot within the Detroit Pistons system. And he may be able to make it to the playoffs as an 8-seed max and lose first round. And that's pretty much all I could see him doing in Detroit as for New York. In New York, I mean, it's, it's also a tough argument as to where he could get. I want to say in the playoffs with New York, I just doubt it. I doubt that R.J. Barrett and Fred VanVleet leading your team. And maybe Mitchell Robinson leaving your team is not going to get you to the playoffs. It's not going to get you to the finals. It definitely won't get you a ring. So his best overall choice is Toronto if he wants to win. And other than that, I'd say New York. And Detroit's probably the third option out of the three that I displayed. Let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. Moving on to the next topic here is a, another pretty good one. 
can Isaiah Thomas still contribute? He recently came out and said he's as healthy as he has ever been since his MVP candidacy in the 2017 season. And after that, he'd be shipped to Cleveland, to Los Angeles, to Denver, and Washington in the span of just four years, four different teams. It's a very sad story if you look into it. And now he's currently not on the roster. I think if he is healthy, there's no reason why a team would want him. He's an MVP type player if he is to that point, which I doubt he is. And then my first follow-up point to the original statement is, is he really healthy? No, this is a bargaining move. Uh, you've seen many players do this. It's a illusion to where they make you believe they're completely healthy. They make you believe you're buying one thing, you're buying into another. If he's playing a limited minutes on a veteran minimum, don't see why you wouldn't sign him, though. He, he doesn't ball hog. He has heart. And he overall is a tough player who actually played through very tough events for a Celtics franchise who eventually gave up on him. Very sad story if you actually look into it. And they gave up him for Kyrie Irving. And we all know how that panned out. So was it morally correct? No. Was it factually correct? Was it the best move for the franchise? Probably. Next up we have who should have signed him. Who should sign him? I honestly have narrowed it down to just five teams. The Sixers, Celtics, Mavericks, Nets, Warriors. Let's begin it with the Sixers. The Sixers obviously need a point guard. You might be like, oh, Ben Simmons is... No. Shake Milton also shown he can't be that point guard. Why not Isaiah Thomas at the point guard position? To team him back up with Al Horford. To put him at the point, put Ben at the four. And overall, you have a really good team, once again. Who can maybe shoot some more threes with Isaiah Thomas on the court. After that, of course, we have a reunion with Boston to where he could come off the bench for the team, play a Brad Wanamaker-type role, and they just allow Brad Wanamaker to walk away from the franchise. After that, we have the Dallas Mavericks. Now, the Mavericks are also a really good team because Jalen Brunson has starting point guard. Isaiah Thomas would have his opportunity to work his way up, work his way into the rotation, work his way to the starting spot. If he performs to MVP potential, then Mavericks would have one of the best teams in the league. But I, again, I'm not even considering the fact that he has a chance to play MVP potential. I mean, let's think about this. I mean, the last time he was, you know, relevant as a player, a basketball player, he, he was quite a bit younger. I mean, he's now currently 31 years old. Four years ago, he was 27, entering his prime. Now he's 31, exiting his prime. There's actually absolutely no opportunity that he comes as a prime player. The maximum I could ever see him putting up in this league ever again is 16 points, and I doubt that that even occurs because he just doesn't have it in him. Realistically, he does not. After that, we have the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, on a veteran minimum, never plays, doesn't touch the court. He can perform pretty much in garbage time minutes. Don't see why the Nets wouldn't pull on it. And finally, the Warriors. The Warriors could use him as a backup point guard because, let's be honest, Kai Bowman cannot back you up, Warriors fans. Isaiah Thomas has a lot of potential. He can help you in the slashing department. He can help you in the playmaking department and give you a secondary player to come in for Steph Curry, especially if he can give you those really good minutes and hard energy. Again, there's no reason why these teams would not sign up. The best overall fit for him, in my opinion, is the Dallas Mavericks or the Philadelphia 76ers, and I'm leaning towards the Dallas Mavericks. So let's move into the next subject and final subject. The final topic to discuss is actually a huge one. 
Should Trevor Lawrence declare for the draft? Alright. Now, this is layers on top of layers. It depends on who gets the first pick, people are saying. It, it depends on all these things. But I think he may be one of the players who wants a college education. I doubt it, but I'm just throwing it into the realm of possibilities that that could happen. I'd be very surprised if that did. Another opportunity is if he just wants to finish off his tenure for the Clemson Tigers and win another championship. I mean, are we really opposed to the fact that he has the opportunity to win the championship once again and continue and set records for the NCAA, become one of the better quarterbacks? I think think he may lean towards that opportunity to be one of the better NCAA quarterbacks of all time. I don't know why he wouldn't lean towards, lead, lean towards that. Doubt that he could ever become the best college football quarterback of all time with only a year remaining following this year if he decides to opt in, which I do not believe he will. So yeah, there's that. And then we have our follow-up points. Should he be willing to play for the Jets? I've seen a lot of arguments on that. Yes, he should. Whoever is willing to offer you a contract in the NFL, whoever's willing to draft you, play for him. I personally think he's better than Sam Darnold. So why are we worrying about this? Put him in there, and I think he'll succeed if he really is that raw of talent, if he really is that good of a player. He will succeed, and I th- I truly believe that. And people are out here, I believe, overrating him slightly. I don't think he's that good, but I believe he's an upgrade from Sam Darnold. I think Trevor Lawrence is more crafty with his feet. He has better decision-making skills and has definitely improved from his first couple of years in Clemson to now. He's definitely improved, and I consider him to continue improving. After that, we have the final subject upon him, final subtopic. Would he benefit from another year in college? Yes, in some ways and no in some ways. I mean, the older you get, the worse your draft stock is, but we, we've seen that. Theory be wrong with Joe Burrow. It allows him to continue to improve, to allow him to show what he really has, and even continue to improve so he can transform that Jets team. Overall, I think there's a lot of decisions to be made. I overall think that he should declare for the NFL draft, though. So that's, that's the end of the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm out.